Okay, we're in lesson 25 today. We're looking at the last part of 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul's going to be addressing some other questions concerning the resurrection. Now, let me just remind you real quickly here. The entire epistle basically is Paul addressing different issues and struggles that they're having. And here at the latter part of this epistle, he is addressing a major issue. A major issue. And that concerns the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And its implications for you and I that we are going to be raised up bodily in the end. Now there are some people who who believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but they'll say he rose spiritually. No, no, no. He rose bodily. He rose in a new body. And, and some people say that, you know, you and I, when we die, you know, maybe our spirit will be there, but we won't have a body. No, you're going to have a body as well. You've got to understand we're talking about bodily. And even when we talk about the return of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to return bodily. Does everybody understand me? He's going to come back with a body. You're going to be able to touch him. And so I just want you to grasp the significance of that. Now, this is an issue here in Corinth because somebody obviously got into this church and began spreading a doctrine that wasn't right. And as they spread that doctrine, it began to affect what they believed. And so Paul's trying to correct them on this whole issue. And so we spent last two weeks talking about just the the certainty of the resurrection Now he's going to talk about some other questions concerning the resurrection. Let me just stop for a moment. It is so important that you and I have to be men and women of the Word of God. I mean, you've got to read your Bible. And listen to me. If you can't read the Bible you have, then come talk to me. We'll get you a Bible that you can read. Because you've got to read the Word of God so that you can be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. You've got to be a man and woman of the Word of God so that you can, whenever subtle things come in, you can say, wait a minute, now that is not a right doctrine. That is not a right thought. And so you correct it. And that's what's going on here in Corinth, except the issue in Corinth was the resurrection. So let's look at the passage. First of all, he's going to talk about the resurrection again, verses 35 through 49. We'll take these a few verses at a time. Look with me at verses 35 through 37. He's going to address another question that they have. But some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body, that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. Okay, here's what he's saying. First of all, he's going to address the question. Paul presents the question concerning what the resurrected body will be like. So, here's probably somebody saying, well, there's no resurrection, there's no... When you die, I mean, what about the guy who gets burned up in a building? How's that body going to be resurrected, you know? And, and, you know, these are things that Christians have wrestled with for years. In fact, we used to say that, in, 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 at least in North American Christianity, that you shouldn't be what? Cremated. Now, do you understand that's a cultural thing? Let me just stop for a moment. If you want to get cremated, that's fine. Because here's, here's what I want you to understand. Like, for instance, in Japan, we have a couple of missionaries. Do you realize in Japan that they have a real estate problem there? They have a real estate problem. And here's the real estate problem. 
They, they, they don't have, like, graveyards. You have to be cremated in Japan. Period. Okay, now here's what I'm saying. So, when you think about some of the things that we've operated under, you know, in Christianity, especially in North America here, where you can't, can't be cremated, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? That, so, probably they were wrestling there with, well, what does this body look like? You know, what is it going to look like? And Paul tries to answer that. So, Paul uses the illustration of planting a seed to make a point. So, how many gardeners we have in here? You've got lots of gardeners. When, you know, when you're planting corn, what do you start out with? You know, a seed. Or a few seeds. What happens to that seed when it's put in the ground? What's that? Yeah, it sprouts. You know, it, it, it goes through a process of germination. Now, when it blooms and it becomes that plant and produces that corn that you're going to eat off of, let me ask you a question. What happened to the seed? It's gone, isn't it? You understand? Does the plant that it become have any reflection of that seed? No. Not at all. Maybe, you know, the fruit of it will have, a, have many seeds like that to reproduce itself. See, this is the illustration that Paul's trying to tell you, is that don't think of your body and what you're going to be like later in heaven in terms of what you are now, because you're a seed. And a seed must what? Die in order for it to become what? The plant it's supposed to be. So your body, your body's not, you don't need to worry about your body. I mean, yeah, you do. You've got to be healthy. Now, some people take their body too seriously and, and worry about it too much, but you do need to think about your body. But here's what I'm saying. He uses the example... Because here's what he's saying. That seed planted is not the final form that it will become. He's trying to tell them that, you know, the way you are right now is not the final form of what you will be later. The way you are right now is not what you're going to be later. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Think about that. You're going to have a glorified body and it's not going to, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like in terms of, Paul doesn't describe it completely, he just says that what you have right now is just a seed to what you will become later. A seed to what you will become later. All right, now look with me, verse 38 through 41. Look at what he says now. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial body is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for the stars differ from one another's star in glory. Okay, so here's what he's saying. First of all, the discretion of the Creator. Paul points out that God has the prerogative in creation. Listen, some of you, uh, this happens. I know this happens. Some of you don't like the way you look. God made you. You don't make junk. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't measure beauty by outward appearance. Have you noticed that? What does he say in the Bible? Beauty is measured by what? Well, inward, inward beauty. 
Not outward beauty. Because here's the thing. Can I be honest with you? I'm realizing this as I get older. Gravity takes over. God has the prerogative. In, he's, you know, you're, how many of you had a choice in how you looked when you were born? How many of you had a choice in the family that you were born? How many of you could choose the genes that are in your DNA that produce the body you have? You understand? I mean, I could not say, please don't give me a big square head, German square head. I mean, I had no choice in that. Please don't give me that canon gene that allows me to become totally gray-headed by 30. I mean, I knew that growing up. Every, I heard it every time the cannons got together. My dad said, yeah, you know, when you get, by the time you're 30, you're totally gray-headed. Boy, that's awful something to look forward to, isn't it? You know? You know, and there's, you, know, you can get defeated by that, but you have to recognize that God is the one who has the prerogative in creation. And he has the prerogative in what you're going to become. Do you understand what I'm saying? He has the prerogative in what you're going to become. Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the inward appearance, and it's what's on the inside is what you're going to become later. Does everybody understand me? In fact, isn't that what the writer of Proverbs, we went through Proverbs, remember? Writer of Proverbs, beauty is fleeting. Beauty is fleeting, isn't it? You understand, it's not on the inside. And so we need to recognize. So he's saying, you know, in this whole issue of God's prerogative, here's the thing, simply looking at creation shows us that not all things have the same body. I mean, I don't have the look of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he's fit. You understand? You don't have the look of, you know, and, and there's no sense competing. No sense worrying about that. You understand? Have you noticed that there are trees? There are trees. But do all trees look alike? Even of the same species of trees, do they all look alike? Do they all grow the same? No, they don't. So he's, he's trying to show us that not all things have the same body. Paul points out that there are even differences between the heavenly and earthly. There's a difference between heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Each has its own glory. Now, let's, let's move on now. Paul points out the diversity that exists in space. So then he talks about the diversity in space. He says, there's the sun, there's the moon, there's the stars, and there's even the difference between the stars. So now, let's see verse 42 through 44. He's going to give us an understanding of how the earthly gives way to the spiritual. Here's what happens with the resurrection. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now here's what I want you to see. Our earthly bodies must die to experience the newness of eternal life. Here's, you know, I hate death. I've mentioned that to you many times before. For me, it's been the most tragic thing to see some of my loved ones in the way they have died. I hate it. You hate it. You think about it, you hate death. And how death will rob you. And no one knows when you'll die. No one. No one knows. 
Death is a tragic, terrible thing. But Paul's going to give us a perspective about death that you and I need to understand. Because here, funeral service, we don't like funeral services. They're, they're a tragic, terrible time. We, we don't like them. We, we try to make it nice and formal and we do all that we can, and, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that we don't like it. Now, here's what Paul is trying to tell us, and I think this is a word of comfort to us as well. Remember I mentioned to you about gardening? This is the illustration he's giving here. When he talks about the body being sown in corruption, that's talking about the reality of death, what death does to the body. Okay? I mean, it will death brings about the whole decom, you know, the whole corruption where the body decomposes. And he talks about when when we sow that body, look at what he says there specifically. Look with me. He says, the body of sown in corruption is raised, is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. All of those things describe what? The burial of the body. Now here's what he's saying. It's like you planting a seed. For the believer, we're talking about the believer now. For the believer, is like planting that seed because what comes out, what is raised up. What is he? Here's, look at how he describes it. It is sown in corruption. What does it say? Look with me. It is raised in incorruption. So whatever you're going to have is not going to decompose. Gravity is not going to take over that body. Let's go on. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It will be a glorious body. Okay, let's go on. Here's what he says. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is what? Raised a spiritual body. So here's the thing. Yes, we should go through the grieving process. Yes, we should mourn and we will continue to mourn the loss, will we not? You know what I'm saying? You, you, don't, don't, you ever hear people say, well, you just need to get over it. You know, you should have been, you should just move on now. First of all, if anybody tells you that, you need to tell them to shut up. I don't normally say that, that's a dirty word in my house, okay? But you need to tell them to be quiet, because they don't know what they're talking about. Grieving takes a long, long time. My dad's been dead now 23 years. Wow, 23 years. Guess what? I still miss him. Every once in a while, I had I had a dream where he like he's so real, but he's not there. You wake up and he's not there, and, and you just the loss, the grief. You understand? And you have loved ones in your life that you miss. But here's the thing: so we have the grief process, but he's going to give us Paul's giving us a hope. Here's the hope. He's the description of the hope is that body when if, if that wasn't the final resting place, the world likes to say that's it, it's over. That's not the final resting place. It's a, you were, that body was sown as a seed to raise up a new body. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Shouldn't that give us hope? You know? Shouldn't that give us hope? You know? Hey, you know what? Here's the thing about this for a moment. You thought that loved one looked good. Let me tell you. They'll look even better now. With a new body. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Let's, let's go on. Look with me now, verses uh, 45. 
through 49. He's going to contrast Adam and Christ here. As it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the heavenly man. So here's what he's saying here. First of all, he's contrasting the two. Adam was the father of all who are made of dust. So Adam, our great, 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 you know, we, we all are relatives here. Do you realize that? We're just cousins 70,000 times removed. And I know you don't claim them after the first or second, but we're all relatives here. And in fact, we're all related to Adam and we're all related to Noah. Do you realize that? We all share a common grandfather, Noah. Now, Adam was the father of all who were made of dust. Now, believers like Christ, the Lord of heaven, will be given a heavenly body. Here's what he's saying. You and I, like Christ, will be given a heavenly body. Now, we don't know what that heavenly body can do or what it, can, what it is, but, I mean, think about it for a moment. Do you remember when they were in the upper room, they were closed in the upper room, they were probably very fearful that the authorities were going to come and get them? And this is right after, this is one of the resurrection appearances. Jesus just all of a sudden, what? Appears. And, of course, notice the first thing he says, peace be to you. Um, I mean, they better, you know, peace is a good thing to say when somebody just all of a sudden appears in the room. That is, I'm just trying to say to you, that says something about his body that it's not bound by what? Material. You and I are bound by the material, aren't we? In fact, that's how you're able to sit down in that seat right now is because there's matter there and your matter sitting in that matter. Okay? But Jesus' body was able to not you understand there's something about it that that didn't matter to him. So, but, and so Paul's saying that our body is going to be like his body. I don't know what that means. So before you start dreaming about passing through walls, just know that you're going to have a special body. You're going to have a special body like Jesus has a special body. Now let's go on now. Look with me at verse 50 through 58. He's going to talk about his coming, his rapture, the rapture. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruptible and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. spend the rest of our time here. First of all, he's going to answer, he's going to direct himself to a question concerning the spiritual. First of all, Paul makes a statement concerning who will inherit the kingdom. He's going to talk about who can go to heaven. Who can inherit the kingdom? You know, I I like pastoring, and I like teaching, and I like um, being there for folks and helping them to grow in Christ. But there are some things that I don't like. And one of the things I don't like is, is doing funerals, for, especially for people that I have no clue where their loved one is at spiritually. And, and it doesn't matter if they never went to church, always when I do a funeral, and I never say anything to anybody, I never want to dash their hopes or whatever and say, well, you know, you're wrong. That doesn't go over well. But the reality is, is that you'll hear people say, well, they're in heaven now, they're okay. And it's just the assumption that when you die in our country now, you're just going to go to heaven, because everybody's good. You understand? Only bad people like an Adolf Hitler or a Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody like that, they don't go to hell. You know, some, some animal doesn't go. And, and the difficulty is, is that that is not true. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. And Paul's making that point very clearly here because he's going to specifically say this. The earthly cannot inherit the spiritual. Remember, you remember throughout the scripture, the Old Testament especially, people when they saw the angel of the Lord, which I believe was a, probably a pre-incarnate Christ uh, theophany, they would fall on their face as if they were dead because they were beholding glory, and God would say to Moses, "You can't see me, or you'll die." You understand why they would die? Do you understand why they would die? Seeing, seeing the glorified God. Anybody? Why would they die? Paul's making the point right here. Their bodies were what? Earthly, corruptible, marked by sin. Can sin be in the presence of God? No. See, this is the point he's making here. Is that in and of ourselves right now, we can't go to heaven like this. We have to be given a new what? A new body. So think about that for a moment. So when you go over to Revelation chapter 20, 21, 22, and it talks about that God will dwell with them and they'll have his name on, have, we'll have his name on our forehead and God will be in their midst and everything. The reason why we'll be able to see God, and we'll see God, is because we're not going to be in this form of this corruptible body. We're going to have a new body. That's incorruptible. Listen, for instance, let me ask you a question. We've been talking, we'll talk about it again this, in the morning message. Temptation. How many of you face temptations? Be honest. Okay, all of us face temptation, right? How many of you have been tempted today? I know I have. They're either big forms or small ones. So like downstairs, we've got donuts. And so I'm tempted whether or not to have one or two. And if I really like them, three. Now, that's a temptation. That's not necessarily healthy or good, but it's a temptation. You know, you and I are tempted in different ways. You maybe are tempted to crab at your loved one today. Now, what do I mean crab? I mean gripe and complain at them. 
Chances are that happens a lot before church so that you don't have... You, you had the temptation to react this morning to the fact that you had to get up early. Even though time has now changed and you're not getting up early, you're getting up on time. But your body says you're still getting up early. Temptations are something that we all face. Continually. Here's what I wanted to say. That is inherent to the fact that we live in these what? Corruptible bodies. We sin. How many of you like to sin? Your bodies may like sinning because sin is always pleasurable, but we dislike the fact that we sin, don't we? We want to stop sinning. As you grow spiritually mature, you begin to realize, I don't like sinning. I want to give it up. Now, here's what happens. See, your body is a big factor in that. When you go to be with Jesus, you're going to get a new body. Can I be honest with you? No more temptation. No more sin. Freedom. We can't even fathom that. Isn't that amazing? This is what he's trying to tell us. Is you, you, you have to have a spiritual body. Now, who gets the spiritual body, everybody? Who gets the spiritual body? The people who do good things? Those who trust in Jesus Christ alone. And, and notice... Alone, Because there are people today that will say, I trust in Jesus, but I'm also trusting in the fact that I'm doing a lot of good things. You'd be surprised how many in church might believe that. You have to trust in Jesus alone. And so you get a new body. You get an incorruptible body. So those believers who are alive will be changed. So when Jesus comes back, he's talking about when the last trumpet comes. The second coming of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes back, if you are still alive when he comes back, you say, well, I haven't died. How do I get rid of this? You've got to die to get, because you just talked about dying, planting, you know, gives that illustration of planting to get the new incorruptible body. No, he says that if you're still alive, what happens? In the twinkling of an eye, you'll be what? Changed. Is that possible? Yeah. There's a couple of places in the Old Testament that give us this idea, and that is Enoch. Remember, Enoch walked with God, and Enoch wasn't there anymore because he went with God. Another one is Elijah. Remember Elijah? I think there's another one of those instances where he was transformed instantly. So, believers who are alive will be changed. You'll get a new... Because you can't go to Jesus the way you are right now. You can't go before God the way you are right now. Do you understand that? In fact, let me just stop for a moment. I've heard this. I heard this when I passed it in my last church, okay? You know, we, we don't put big stress on getting dressed up here, do we? You notice that? And for years, I, I still hear people say this. Well, if you were to appear before the president, you'd dress up. Well, yeah, if I appear before an earthly king, yeah. But God, we've got to dress up for the king. You ever heard that kind of line of thinking? You've got to dress up for the king. Well... Is that real? Because what does he say? He looks on what, not what? He looks on your heart, not on how you're dressed right now. And especially, think about this, the way you are right now, even if you dressed up, you still couldn't appear before him because what? You inhabit a what? A corruptible body. So no amount of dressing it up is going to make you acceptable to God in his presence. Do you understand? It's only through faith in what Jesus Christ has done and the fact that one day 
you're going to what? You're going to receive a new body. A new body. Let's, let's go on. Notice something here. The timing of this. The timing of this is it will occur instantaneously when Jesus returns for the church. It will occur instantaneously when Jesus returns for the church. So if we're alive, it's going to happen instantaneously. Now let's go on. Look at verse 53 to 55. He talks about the, the perishable becoming the imperishable. Here's that mortal man must put on immortality. Mortal man must put on immortality. So you and I have to put on the immortal. So here's what the immortality does. It removes the victory from death and the grave. It removes removes the victory from death and the grave. So when we talk about immortality, it's going to remove the victory of the death, death and the grave. So death really doesn't... Death may have a... It's like... Okay, you ever hear, hear about winning a battle but losing the war? For a Christian, death may win a battle. It may seize you, but it doesn't win the war. Because what? Because of your faith, you've won the war because you've been given victory through Jesus Christ, and you overcome death by receiving what? A new body. Do you see my point? This is what Paul's saying here. So the immortality removes the victory from death and the grave. And so notice something. He quotes this. You've heard this before. Oh, death, where's your, what, sting? Death, where is, oh, Hades, where is your victory? The grave, where is your victory? I mean, that's a mocking statement to death and Hades, to the grave, because he's saying here, there is no victory for you now. I have Jesus, and my physical body may die, but I'm just a seed of what I will become. You see my point? Okay, let's go on. He then talks about the victory that we have through Jesus. Death receives its power from sin, which is empowered by the law. So, death receives its power from the fact of sin. And remember, what are the wages of sin? For the wages of sin is what? Death. So, death comes because of sin. Listen, the reason why there is death is not because God. It's because of sin. And how many times have I heard people say, why would God let this happen? God didn't want it to happen. He didn't want it to happen. It happened because we live in a world that's marked by what? Sin. So we need to keep that perspective. So that God has given us victory through Jesus Christ. See, you have the victory. As you get older, you begin to realize the body doesn't function the way it used to. As you get older, you're not as agile as you once were. Doing simple things now hurt. Have you noticed that? Some of you really, you've noticed it. Well, you're finally figuring it out, George? Yeah, I am. 
here's the thing. This has been bothering me. But like yesterday, I was, I was in, the, in the office, and I was looking at something, and I have 20-20 vision. I've always had good vision. And I'm looking at, this isn't what I was looking at, but I was looking at something, and I needed to read some fine print to make a phone call for a magazine description that I hadn't received lately. And I'm trying to focus on the small print, and it was blurry. And I'm like, what's up with that? You know, come on, George, you've had good vision. What's going on here? You know, I'm going to have to get what? Reading glasses. What's going on? I just turned 43. I'm still a spring chicken, right, Art? Yeah, I'm still a spring chicken. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. You know, so your body, your body, you understand, the reality that death is coming is there. And we fear it, don't we? Let's be honest. But we don't need to. We have the victory. Our victory is who? Jesus. See, see, here's the thing. He's trying to convince these guys. He's, he's trying to teach these guys because it could be a scary thing to realize that if you die, you're dead. But he's saying it doesn't have to be that way for a believer. You're, you're, you've been told wrongly the aspect of your death, and the reality is, is that you... Death isn't the end of it. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, it's not the end of it. So... He goes on, because of this hope, we must remain steadfast in our service to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Here's the point I want you to see. This is the final point, and we'll end right here. This is what gives you the hope for another day. Let's be honest. Aren't there days we just want to throw in the towel? I mean, life is hard, is it not? And there are days when you just want to throw in the towel because it's like, hello? But when you realize that you have the ultimate victory through Jesus Christ, that gives you hope that even though today is tough, and tomorrow might even be tougher, but it's not the final word. You can press on and continue steadfastly in your faith. To what? Move forward because you know what your ultimate hope is. And life may throw lots at you. See, we, can I be honest? Well, we don't even begin to understand that. So many people want to get... You ever notice how fickle we are as Americans? We just give up. If it doesn't go our way, we're done. we finished with you, God. Try that God thing. How many of you talk to people who tried that God thing? We've got to grab a hold of him, and that's got to continue to embrace, hold on to it, and it will carry you through it. Because there is victory. We don't live for now. We live for when? Later. Too often we're living for now, and we can't live that way. Let's close our time in prayer.